This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. I'm so ready. I'm, I was born ready. I was, right, I'm good, just cause... super excited to be here. Like I've been nerding out about this all week. That's good. Because <laughs> your enthusiasm is going to have to carry this thing. I'm on cold medicine. Let's go. Welcome to Overdue. This is a podcast <laughs> about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew, and I'm super enthusiastic. Whoa. Well, <laughs> who else is here? This is Eric. <laughs> hey, 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 but I never set up guests well for that andrew i should get no you're super that. bad at it it's I'm super <laughs> bad at it i i i think i handled that better than than jake did the other day the yeah other day. Like, we listened to the podcast a couple weeks we, ago oh he, who me jake faltered <laughs> that's he 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 did all right. The rest of the episode was that's solid. Never, that's <laughs> never the guest's fault that's well, always you're, you're, you're always like do the intro and then you're like and who are you <laughs> Well, How did yeah. you get in here? <laughs> Once I get inside the intro, I forget that it's like a special show mm-hmm. that we have a guest in the house. Like I just take off my shoes and flop around. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, so this is a so who's, bonus. Who's this guy uh, that we're doing for the month of March? I think right, Andrew. That's probably the plan. yeah. Probably. So we'll edit it out if not. <laughs> <laughs> so we're stretching our legs a little bit. We've invited a guest over. Uh, Eric, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're reading what book you decided to read that we haven't talked about yet. Cool. Uh, yeah, my name is Eric. I am uh, Craig's future soon-to-be brother-in-law. It's very exciting. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's neat. <laughs> so excited for you guys. <laughs> You'll be there too, Andrew. It's cool. Oh, yeah. I'll witness your union to one another. Yeah. It will be beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Via my sister. That's what it's all about, Um, really. So, yeah, I am an avid listener of Overdue for a while now, and Craig and I have talked before about um, my deep and unabiding love for Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And I pitched to Craig. I said, hey, there's this new Star Wars book that came out that is – significant in terms of what it's doing for star wars canon and like you did the lord of the rings thing which of course is significantly higher literature in most people's (laughs) minds than say you know your average star wars book um but like there those are fandoms that are mentioned in the same sentence of like people that go to conventions and dress up in silly costumes uh and so uh i pitched it as hey let's do this episode it's uh and you could line it up with the release of the movie or the release of the movie on blu-ray or whatever which is so neither hither nor thither really anything <laughs> i guess it might be out on blu-ray by now <laughs> who knows so for the rest of the episode we will be using eric as our star wars expert uh i have read some star wars books and and am certainly a devoted fan of the series in its in my own right andrew i think of the three of us you are the least of a Star War. Is that correct? I have seen I've seen all the Star Wars films uh-huh. multiple times, including the prequels, which I rewatched Yee. before the episode seven came out. Yeah, because Suzanne and I watched four, five, and six together, but she I was on my own for the prequels. <laughs> okay. That's fair. Susanna seems like good people. Yeah, no, she's she's got a good head on her shoulders. She does. Um, but no, I've not I've not read any of the books. I've not seen like that Clone Wars cartoon, which I hear is fine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and yeah, I just aside from knowing enough about it to like make fun of it, I don't know anything about the expanded exp- well, expanded universe. Funny you EU. should say that because I feel like before we dive into like the history of this whole thing, and then this book, it's aftermath by Chuck Wendig, right? That's the name of the book. Yes, Aftermath. Um, Chuck Wendig. Before, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, is his name in the title <laughs> of the book? That's the. It sounded like that's what it, Aftermath of Chuck Wendig, a Star Wars novel. 
A Star Wars. A Star Wars. <laughs> Aftermath. <laughs> so, Andrew, I, w- I would appreciate it. I think our listeners would appreciate it as well. I don't think Eric will necessarily appreciate it, but I invite him to find out. I would love it if you would just summarize Star Wars as best you can. Because How gonna... long do I have to do Ooh, it? Do you, want me to like time... how... do you want me to actually time you? Well, just like how much do you want? I'm going to set a I'm going to time 90 seconds and I want you to tell me all okay. the Star Wars in Our, okay. order. Okay, all the Star Wars in order. Okay. Ready? Go. Wait, chronological go. or Go, you're running okay. out of time. <laughs> well, it opens over the, the planet of Naboo and there are trade negotiations that are happening. Ugh. But it's all <laughs> dumb and stupid. Um a Jedi master played by played by the guy from Taken is doing some stuff and he comes to a desert planet and there's a little boy named Anakin Skywalker and he him and his little his apprentice man Obi-Wan Kenobi um there's a pod race there's some other things and then um Liam Neeson dies and then Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker are like bound to each other forever. Okay, okay the first movie the first took movie. you 30 seconds. You have 60 seconds. Go. Oh, All right. A second movie. Um a bunch of stuff happens but mostly it's grown-up Anakin and Obi-Wan like chilling and fighting. And Anakin is mad, and he starts falling in love with this woman named Padme, who was in the first movie too, but I didn't have time to mention it. Okay, on to episode three. Anakin and Padme like have a forbidden love thing, and they they do it to each other uh-huh. and get pregnant with babies. But Obi Wan and Anakin fight, and Obi Wan wins, and he says, "No, you were the chosen one. You were supposed to bring order to the Force, which is a mythical force." You have twenty seconds of magic. Okay, that's the prequels. <laughs> Um, episode four, we cut, we smash cut to twenty years from now, and Luke Skywalker is the oh, no. boy baby of Anakin Skywalker, who's evil now, and his name is Darth Vader. And Luke Skywalker travels the galaxy with Han Solo and Chewbacca and Princess Leia, and they fight the Death Star, and they win, yay! Um, Empire Strikes Back. The Empire is is striking back, and everything's bad. Going. Okay, re- Return of the Jedi. Luke wins and Han Solo and Leia kiss and are married forever. Um, episode seven, Force Awakens. Um, everybody's old now because it's many <laughs> years later, but there are young new people and a little droid in a ball named BB-8. And um, it's basically episode four again. So just go back and listen to my summary of that and you'll have the seventh movie, Star Wars. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's everything, right? We didn't miss anything. I mean, that's that's yeah. pretty accurate. Okay. No, I didn't yeah. even I didn't I didn't really elide over anything at all. I'm that's fairly certain that. Oh, and Luke becomes a Luke becomes a Jedi, and a Jedi <laughs> is a kind of knight who has a light sword and kills everybody. And they were kind of uptight and dumb, but they're good guys, so we're supposed to root for them. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's about right. That's all accurate. Uh, that's, uh, that's all Star yeah. Wars. So the important thing about Star Wars, like the first thing to know about the canon discussion. Is that uh, Walt Disney bought um, Luke bought the Star Wars franchise from Lucasfilm, or they yeah they acquired Lucasfilm outright, and Star Wars is like the only meaningful property that that outfit has going for it. <laughs> so in 2012 that happened, and then in um, 2014 um, Disney basically said, okay, we've got these decades and decades of books and video games and all this other stuff, and there are like different levels of canon and like. Sometimes the books are canon unless they're directly contradicted by a movie. And it was just all very complicated. I know that some people have like invested a lot in keeping it straight. <laughs> but Disney basically said, okay, aside from the films and then other like officially licensed stuff that we put out after this, nothing is canon anymore. So stuff is either canon or not. And there's not like that quasi-canon middle ground yeah, where like novels and stuff can be canon unless the films directly contradict them. Is that basically right, Eric? Sort of. Um, the ni- the interesting thing about the way <laughs> the the old canon used to work was that it, it they there were like you said there were people that really invested in this. Uh, specifically, Sue Rustini, Shelley Shapiro, and Pablo Hidalgo are uh, a mm-hmm. couple of executive uh, editors uh, uh, for Delray and Lucas Books and uh, the Star Wars website. And they would, uh, they were in charge of basically taking anything that didn't quite fit and retconning it, making somebody else write a thing that includes that 
explained why that wasn't true. So, for example, (laughs) in uh, Tales of the Bounty Hunters, you got a story about Boba Fett and, like, here's his real name. Uh, Well, then a movie came out that was like, Boba Fett's just Jango Fett cloned. He's just a little Jango Fett. He's like a clone trooper, only better. Um, And uh, they had to make a story that said, okay, that was this the the secret name that was his real name that we said before is actually oh, no. an alias <sighs> and they so they did stuff like that little 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 hoop jumping um the interesting thing was that all the all the canon really held together pretty well for the most part until the prequels started getting made and lucas it, who interestingly enough though he created this wonderful sandbox for pe- for other writers to play in uh he's probably the worst person at, at exploring that sandbox yeah, and he's right. like anything he did to it just made it worse um yeah which is unfortunate um but yeah I, and actually that's an interesting sort of sort of aside um when 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 i when i i'm reading a star wars book and somebody say oh what are you reading and i say i'm reading a star wars book and they say oh which one which movie Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, not a novelization of a Star Wars movie. Now those exist, but that's not what yeah, you're oh, showing up for. Well, and nor is it like Lord of the Rings or any other myriad number of science fiction fantasy things where it's a novel first and a movie later. Yeah, that Lucas made movies, and he w- and then somebody else made novelizations of those movies, and then in the early '90s, uh, other writers hired by Lucas. Lucas books, Lucas properties. Uh, it was Bantam books at the time, actually. Were hired to write stories in that world, and so there are dozens of authors that have written Star Wars novels and novellas and comic books and all kinds of things, and all those different fictions or fan fiction, as we call it in the biz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so here's this is the this is the debate, right? So there's. Um, <laughs> There are many Star Wars fans who would say, yeah, the Expanded Universe, which is the collective name given to all of that other media, the Expanded Universe is just fan fiction. It's it's silly. It's not real. It's what, real. None of it's real. Um, it's not like... <laughs> <laughs> but it's not... It's not. Can- you heard it here first, guys. Star Wars is not real life. It's not real. Please don't um, email us. <laughs> Um, but this is it was put here to test us. It was put here to test our faith. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. But then these stories that were all considered basically part of the canon, uh, and so there's people who really enjoy that expanded universe stuff, and that's me. There's um, when I was was prepping for this episode, I went back and looked at how many novels were included in the canon prior to it being wiped clean uh, two years ago. And there are approximately 140 Star Wars novels. That's a lot, uh, and that's and that's not including, yeah, uh, Craig. I know you've mentioned on the podcast before, probably in like one of the first epi- 50 episodes. It's a long time ago. You mentioned the a couple of the Young Jedi Knights stories that feature like those are good books. Those are good books. They're totally they are they're the Hardy Boys of Star Wars. They are like 175 page middle school reader like here's uh teenage children of Han and Leia running around and getting into hijinks with their friends. It's it's yeah. the Hardy Boys. It's it's great. It's an, it's Nancy Drew. It's uh they're wonderful. So not including those cuz those aren't really full length novels for it intended for an adult audience okay uh there's about 140 of these things i've read all but i think four because i've been reading other stuff recently i need to get back on there you're invested in this you would say uh and i own all of them okay (laughs) so you have read eric you have read lando calrissian and the mind harp of shiru (laughs) yeah yeah, th- that um, is part of the Lando Calrissian adventures, similar to the Han Solo adventures that came out before. Yeah, but the Han Solo books don't have the Han Solo books don't have awesome names like Lando Calrissian and the Flame Wind of Ozion. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> what are these choose your own adventure books? Like they kind of read like that. Lando? Actually, Lando Calrissian and the Star Cave of Thonbaka. Which is cool. That Star Cave is actually like a nebula where, um, like space whales hang out it's very strange oh my god 
nerds. You're all a bunch of nerds. Okay, so here's I'm gonna say in all like in all earnestness. Now I will probably troll you. I already have a little. Please do. I I enjoy the. And trolling. you'll know you'll like know when I am. But I say this in all honesty, and I think not just for the Star Wars EU, but for like many expanded fictions. Like Star Trek is the other big franchise. I think that a lot of people are gonna think of when they think of like something that was TV and then movies, but then also a bunch of books. Mm-hmm. It's like nerds are the worst. <laughs> like you mentioned, you mentioned how it was basically the like the the stewards of canon. It's like their job to make sure that when something is retconned by somebody, that another person unretcons it, and that is nonsense. Like so, so to <laughs> use a Star Trek example, so I'm on like firmer ground because that's that's more my like home turf franchise wise. In the original Star Trek series in the 60s, there were Klingons, but they did not. Are we just talk Klingon foreheads? Right. They did not have like forehead ridges and stuff. <laughs> and so, yep. and then like later when Star Trek the motion picture came out and then all the subsequent offshoots like Next Generation and everything, they did have these big elaborate forehead ridges. And then there was an episode, I think it was of Enterprise, which was the last TV series before it got canceled and killed for a while. Um, where they explained why the Klingons didn't have forehead ridges in the old show, but they do in the newer shows. And like the real reason is that just like you couldn't do makeup that that was that that was that elaborate, like back in the 60s. Everybody knows that's the real reason. Like nobody sits around and like postulates about this stuff except for nerds. (laughs) And the only people who are going to be interested in these stories are nerds. And if you like bend over backwards to try and incorporate all this ridiculous nonsense into like the official canon of your world. You're just going to end up with this big snarled rat's nest of story threads that nobody can pull on because they're all too tangled well, together but, now. Okay. So Eric, maybe you can weigh in on this. I, one thing is we haven't mentioned Mr. Leland Chi, mm-hmm. who is employed by Lucasfilm to like, m- he administers or previously administer the holocron continuity database. Yep. Or that that might be what it's still called. I don't know. He was instrumental in in both organizing levels of canon and then tossing out the stuff that's not canon anymore. I think if th- if this whole like universe is to work and we need to get into aftermath in just a second, but if if this kind of thing is to work, you have to be able to selectively enjoy it and like recognize that sure it all is supposed to connect but if the stories are well told and they don't over rely on oh isn't it cool that han is next to this new guy that i wrote like if it if that's not the reason why you wrote the book then you as the reader can enjoy it just as like oh here's a random star wars story featuring a character i didn't really know before or here's a cool story about like told from the perspective of a red shirt, like wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> red shirts are not a Star Wars thing, but I'll allow I was it. I was bridging the gap back to you, Andros. Okay, fine. You know, um, no, I'm just like and and Eric, like as somebody who's invested hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of your very finite life into <laughs> reading all of these books, <laughs> I can understand where it would be frustrating. To like learn something about a character or like get invested in something about a character like Luke, I understand as I understand it, like gets married to somebody and like has a wife and a mm-hmm. bunch of stuff. A really cool character. Yeah, actually. and and my understanding is that that person is one of the better characters in the entire expanded universe. But on the other hand, like like you do want those connections. You do want like the the stuff that you read to be valid for future stuff that you read and for everything to build upon everything else. But at a certain point, I feel like that just like ties the hands of new writers who want to jump into that universe and tell a story about it. You know, like there's this and this happened to Star Trek too as the TV series went on as just you had so much other canon to like keep track of mm-hmm. that you either had to just blatantly violate it and not care totally or like get trapped in in canon and like you were just unable to escape which i think was most of voyagers and enterprises problem yeah yeah well and that's and that happens with like comic books too i'm a big i'm a big comic book fan as well and like 
Marvel for a while tried, we're going to make this ultimate comics line where it's it's not bogged down by continuity. None of the last 70 years matters. It's, it's their, their own new stories. And then that had its own continuity issues later. And they've now gotten rid of that, too. Mm-hmm. And they're little retcons the same way. Yeah, I feel like they blow that up every couple of years. <laughs> D- DC does more of that than Marvel does. Marvel sort of tries to keep it together until the, the last year they've really done their first big blow up but dc every 20 years is like reset button screw it we're just starting over Um, (laughs) but yeah the interesting thing when disney bought star wars bought lucasfilm and basically said okay we're gonna take all those books we're gonna rebrand them all as what as what they're calling star wars legends that here's just a bunch of books that you can read they're interesting they're still out there and like any thing that has 140 books there are really, really good books by really good authors, and there are really, really bad ones. Um, <laughs> uh, and I don't reread the bad ones, but I reread the good ones. Um, yeah, there's some just just the dregs of the Star Wars universe. They exist. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but when they when they said, okay, we're going to relaunch this whole thing, uh, and we're going to write all those off and just call them legends so that we can write our own stories and not have to be like okay so the force awakens happens 30 some odd years 40 years after the original trilogy so that means that han and leia are this old and so that means their kids are this old and we have to cast all those people and then have to fill in our audience on 40 years of story no Mm -hmm. that's dumb that's that's dumb make your new movie um because what i think it comes down to is good stories are good stories i just want to hear good directors good writers put together good films and give that same world to new authors and let them fill in the blanks if they want um one of the things that i think is interesting and this brings us directly into aftermath so when they announced okay we're making the force awakens it's coming out in december of 2015 they said well we are going to have a series of novels and short stories and video games that will lead up to that uh, for people to get excited about. And people went, sure, that's great. And they all, But the other confusing thing was they said to fill in the gap between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. And that right, right there is a problem <laughs> in that you're not going to fill in 40 years, right? Like, because then you had some fans that heard that and said, oh, that means this one novel, because this is the only full-length novel that came out set between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. There's, there were some other short stories and young reader things, but this is the only one that was a full-length novel. And so there were some fans that were like, great, this is going to fill in all thir- 40 years. And that's ridiculous. Clearly, that's not how you write a book. <laughs> no, I mean, like, at, at best, you're going to get, like, a signpost that hits some highlights, right? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And so there were some, the, if you read reviews of this book online, there are people who are upset about it for very specific social reasons, which we'll get into later. There are people that are upset that it's not, some author that has written a lot of Star Wars in the past. There are people that are upset just because it's not the the one of the it, it's not embracing the previous canon. And then there's people who are upset that like it didn't give me 40 years of book in 400 pages. I'm very upset. Why is why isn't it filling in all of the history novel as a, just a list of facts? Um, which is not how books work. So. Yeah. No, I mean, there is Wikipedia for those people, is That's my true. understanding. I, I, <laughs> yes. Man, Wikipedia reading Wikipedia is, is real weird because it just pretends that it's all real. Like, yep. I know. I love I, I've I've talked a little bit on appointment television, the other podcast that I do about how much I love like yeah. show specific or universe uh-huh. specific wikis. Yes. Because the like one, the like quality of prose is like an order of magnitude <laughs> lower than what you get on actual Wikipedia. <laughs> And there's also no subject too That's obscure true. to be completely and totally covered in its entirety. Uh, well, let's get it. into the into the book, Eric, because um, I want I want to talk. What do you know about Chuck Wendig? I, the only thing I know about him is that he tweeted that he wanted to write a Star Wars book, and they let him wrote they let him write one. That's like the story of this oh, book. Geez, if I if I knew that's all I needed to do, <laughs> that, that, is, that, is, that is exactly what I know. Uh, I that he wrote a, something else that made other like fans think, oh, he'd be good at this, and then he tweeted about it, and then 
they were like, I yeah, sure, that's go for it. Under the book. Empyrean Sky is another book of his. But he has also written books called yeah. Dinocalypse Now and Beyond Dinocalypse. Oh, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about this episode. So serialized stories, yeah, yeah, serialized stories. That's good. Uh-huh. Uh, he's written some film. He's written some for games, and his website uh, in his biography says that he is likely drunk and untrustworthy. So let's uh, let's buckle up for this book, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what is aftermath? So yeah, okay. So let's get it. let's let's dive in. So the first thing about of, about Star Wars Aftermath is the writing style. Um, yeah, yeah. Before we get into like the sort of plot summary of it all. So your average science fiction fantasy book, every science fiction fantasy book you've read, is most likely written in third person limited past tense, right? Like it's Luke walked in the door and he saw Leia there and he wondered this and he didn't know what she was thinking because it's his limited third person <laughs> He thought this, and he did that, and it all happened in the past. This book is written. Do you like my narrative? Mm-hmm. I should write books. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, definitely. You should write Wikipedia articles, at least. <laughs> um, so this is written in third-person limited present tense. Luke walks into the room. He sees Leia. He thinks this. He wonders what she's thinking. He does this. He does that. Which inherently right away made me feel like it felt like fan fiction Mm. because it Mm. it, because it it's because it's the not the expected not the normal way of writing something like this right there are a couple of exceptions to this in the old in the old canon um there's a book called star wars shatterpoint that is uh most of it is written in the normal style but then it has large portions that are uh, Mace Windu's journal entries, mm-hmm. and so he's hmm. writing in first person about what he's doing. Can we play a game that's like that's like Mountain Dew flavor or Star Wars <laughs> EU book? Because I feel like Shatterpoint is yeah. like right there. How about Cestus Deception? How's that? <laughs> Mountain Dew, definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely. It's like blue. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and then there's another book, actually, one of my favorite Star Wars novels is called I Jedi, and it's all written. Um, in first person uh, about, from the perspective of a character that was created in the expanded universe named Corrin Horn. He's a Jedi and a member of Rogue Squadron, and he's awesome. But uh, yeah, so this writing style was very strange. It took me, I actually, I noted in the margin on page 144 out of 366, I'm on board with the pros. <laughs> it took me half the book <laughs> Okay. <laughs> to, to be like, okay. This isn't this isn't awkward anymore. Well, because my brain, when I would like, anytime I set it down and picked it up again, my brain would read the first sentence wrong because I would read it yeah. in the tense I was expecting. It was very strange. Was there a right. specific like thing that happened that was super cool, or you just kind of become numb to it by that point? I became numb to it. I also because here's the here's the other things. Okay, here's good. the other things that are not that are. I'm not gonna say they're bad, but they are not to my liking in his writing style. He uses parentheses everywhere. Hmm. There, like, buddy, don't do that. Like, yeah, like it just seems like it's it, it all reads sort of like an email or a blog post. Like it doesn't have that formal style of like this is a real fiction book that I was hired by an actual company to write. It feels like <laughs> it feels like it feels like fan fiction. There. Here's a really bad it example. It have a style that makes it feel like a book is what you just said. Well, I mean, like, do you do you know how quickly this uh, was turned around is a question. I, like, like, do you know if there's a lot of time for editing or if this is maybe a little closer to a first draft than we would have gotten well, if, like, Disney didn't decide, hey, we need a book to fill this gap, like, now? Could we, like, who's, who's ready to write one? Well, so... They announced that this book was coming out when they announced that they were redoing the canon. Okay. And so that was like two years ago. Mm-hmm. And then it came out just this last fall, uh, right around uh, the day when they released all the toys, yeah, which they yeah. called Force Friday. Okay. So he, um, even if he started writing that day, then he had plenty of time. Right. Well, so interestingly, on 
on Wikipedia, which I was reading earlier when I was looking up Chuck Wendig, uh, it said <laughs> it said that uh, Chuck Wendig wrote this book in forty five days. Okay, okay, bud. So maybe that was a first draft, and then he did edits, or maybe he wrote it in forty five days and was like, "Nailed it! Here you go." Because <laughs> like parentheses, like when I'm writing something and I've got a lot of parentheses. Like having a few is fine, but especially if you're writing fiction, you either need to decide that it's worth saying for real, mm-hmm. like not in parentheses, or you need to get rid of it. <laughs> is that is that how it feels in this in this book? Like sometimes it's just is it just always yeah. tangential and not necessarily important, or is it kind of a mix of the two? It is almost always it is almost always something that you could have said just with uh, a comma or like. Uh, just re just rearrange that sentence into two sentences and we'd all be happy yeah right there Um, you go but here's an example of the it's on this one page we the first paragraph happens the second paragraph is entirely a parenthetical section (sighs) that parentheses closes the next sentence is another parentheses it is a parentheses immediately followed by another parentheses i am on board what page are we on i am on board with this (laughs) now this is bumming me out it's on page, it is on page thirty three and it is oh, bad. That's where I would have that's where I would have written that I was on board. <laughs> so, similarly, this dude loves the use of the punctuation mark, the colon. We use Ooh. colons on every page. Not every page, but there are some pages that have three. Like in when I learned basic English skills and how to use various forms of punctuation. A complete sentence followed by a colon means ta-da, and then a sentence fra- fragment. Yes. Here's a sentence. It says, start of the sentence is, but for her, colon, it lives on in her n- nightmares. <sighs> that's just a comma, dude. Just use a comma. <laughs> right. Like, that's right. the thing with semicolons and colons both. Like, first, first try a period or a comma. I know they're not sexy punctuation marks. Right. But they're like reliable punctuation. That could be marks, its own type of sexy. Of Reli- reliability and steadfastness is its own form of sexuality. Says the guy who's getting married in a month it's or two. A tr- yeah, I mean, I'm not going. I'm not going to kick a semicolon <laughs> out of bed for eating crackers, if you know what I mean. If you know no, what I it's mean, a, it's a but it's a piece of grammar and punctuation. I don't know what you mean. But, but definitely, yeah, like consider commas and periods before you go using three oh, colons on every page. Ugh, I'm just I'm getting mad listening to you talk exactly, about how this is you're weird. reacting exactly how I did. So the the example I just read is on page 29. Oh, boy. On the facing page, page 28, we have Man. a sentence. So here's just a two sentences in a row. But now, colon, this is the time for second chances. New paragraph. She cuts the silence, colon. This is a, b- a bad time for chaos. Etc. Etc. To so and so, three three lines later, uh, one of the Galactic Empire's oldest strategies and tactics, col- uh, tacticians: colon General Shale. So it's like introducing each p- character, and we need to like rather than saying th- standing there was this person who is named this, we say standing here was a man: colon this guy. Oh, and that seems so flashy and cool. Five lines. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, Chuck I like Wendig that has a you, flair for the dramatic. You love that this dude took his his like 1992 Dodge Caravan and put flame decals on the sides, and you're like, oh yeah. man, that's boss. I love it. That's oh, great. and he put a spoiler on the back that has the Imperial logo on it, <laughs> and his horn plays the cantina music. This guy's on point. Ugh. Right, where I'm like, this guy took this. Uh, Star Wars branded really nice BMW and was like, yeah, let's just paint it like like a really garish green, <laughs> and and <laughs> it'll be perfect because it'll be flashy because Star Wars isn't flashy enough. It's not. Let's lean into the skid. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, but what happens in this book? Yeah. A bunch of people uh, do things in the present tense and they're dodging colons left and right. But like, what? Yeah. What is? How do they bridge the gap? The answer is they don't. And what gap is to be Brit? Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, so this book is set a month after Return of the Jedi. Uh, we open okay. with Wedge Antilles, who you may remember is the only uh, t- X-Wing pilot to attack both Death Stars. 
Uh, cool. I do remember that. He, yeah. So wedge, <laughs> uh, wedge. Wedge fly wedge wedge is on like a diplomatic mission, just like scouting out different star systems and seeing like who's on board with the New Republic because the because uh, the rebels have formed the New Republic, mm-hmm. uh, and he shows up in this little backwater star system called Akiva. Akiva is a new planet; we haven't seen it in any other Star Wars fiction. Cool, uh, it's a jungle world. Wedge is immediately captured by the Imperials, who are who were there unbeknownst to him. And it turns out he's stumbled on a Imperial summit, basically. So he's captured by the, these Imperials. There is, unbeknownst to him, another pilot who was also in Return of the Jedi. This woman's name is Nora Wexley. Uh, Nora is going to be one of our main characters in this story. And she's come back to Akiva because uh, her son, she left her son there in the care of, in the care of his aunts. And, and the jungle. In the jungle. And right. he basically has become, he's running his own junk shop, he's a teenager, he's like, he's really good with machines, he's Anakin Skywalker from episode one, only not at all. As but, I um, described in good. great detail at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> yeah. So he has no force powers, but he's totally Anakin from episode one. Okay. Um, which makes him annoying. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so he has stolen something from a a gangster named Surat Nurat or Surat Nuat, whatever. It's one of those stupid Star Wars names. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a Celestin. You'll know Celestins as the guy with the weird face flappy folds that was Lando's co-pilot in Return of the Jedi. So I know exactly who he's talking about. Uh, How are you doing, Andrew? I, I know who you're talking about, but what's his name? Susanna loves this dude. Neon Nub. Neon, yeah, Neon Nub. Oh, man. Yeah, he's great. Well, he's something. They're good pilots, but they're bad at teaching it to people because it's like native to them. Piloting is. Yeah, it's not because they can't talk with their like motionless mouths. <laughs> That's stop not it. it. Just stop. It's not. It. It's not because they have trouble like flapping their cheeks at people and like oh, telling gosh. them how piloting works. Oh gosh! Why don't you join the Empire? <laughs> um. So. Uh, also on this planet is a imperial dude named Singer Rathvelis. Yep. Uh, but mostly they just call him <laughs> Singer. So Singer is a former imperial who he was an imperial loyalty officer, uh, but he basically deserted during the Battle of Empire uh, or d- during the Battle of Endor and is like basically drowning his sorrows and just getting really drunk on whatever the bartender will give him. Also on this planet is a bounty hunter named Jas Amari. Jas is a Zabrak. You'll know Zabraks as the Darth Maul people with the horns on their head. Yeah, Good. yeah, we know them. Yeah, exactly. So, so Jas is there on a bounty. She's going to kill some of the, one of these Imperial guys. Turns out that this Imperial summit is happening, and she realizes there's like six high-profile targets here. She gets shot at. She breaks her weapon and she goes to Temin, the boy, goes to Temin's shop to try and get repair, some parts to repair her gun. Before she showed up there, Nora went to Temin, her son, and said, Hey, uh, I'm back from fighting in the re- rebellion. I came to come get you from this planet that I totally abandoned you on when you were like 10 years old. <laughs> um, I'm super sorry about that, by the way. Yeah, exactly. And basically his reaction is exactly what you'd think it would be, which is... Uh, I don't need you. Go away. You already had your chance. See ya. <laughs> um, uh, and so she, like any you know, well-meaning mother would do, uh, drugs her son and says, "Yeah, we're, we're, you're coming with me." Um, and so she takes her her unconscious son, and there she's gonna sneak on board an imperial ship and get off planet. They, and this is what happens in these Star Wars books sometimes, is that they, we get lots of little divergent stories that all sort of come together. Nora and Temin escape from the Empire. They split up. Nora goes back to talk to Temin's aunts. Yes, that's aunts as in his biological aunt and his aunt's wife. We're going to get into that a little bit later when we finish the plot summary here. Temin goes to try uh, go back to his, his store where he's got lots of cool toys, and and he gets captured by the gangster as well. So, 
Singer, Jas, and Temin coincidentally are all in the same place. They decide to all escape together, basically. Nora ends up helping them, along with the help of... Temin has a droid. Remember the stupid droids from episode one that... Uh, yeah, I remember those guys. Uh, I, I mean, I talked yeah. about them in the in my recap at the beginning of the episode. I don't know like why we're recovering the same ground again. Well, because <laughs> this one, Temin has one that he has reprogrammed to be this awesome, crazy ninja droid who is insane and laughs maniacally on a regular basis and is painted red and black and has literal bones sewn onto him to make that rattle when he walks. Okay. And his name is Mr. Bones. Mr. Bones. <laughs> oh, yes. All right. So, so far we're like, tra- I'm like trapped in a name prison where I don't know who the hell anybody is. <laughs> exactly. So- that's that is real. So let's get So all of this goes on. Basically this team comes together. They decide that they're they're going to all work together to take down these imperials that are having this summit. Two of them are doing that out of I want the bounty and two of them are doing that out of uh the good of the republic okay. and let's take down the empire. Um so they go to take down the these imperial dudes. Uh it's a series of sort of mission impossible hijinks ensue. They go through tunnels. They get chased by zombies that aren't really zombies. <laughs> the emperor, the empire keeps having meetings that aren't interesting uh, about <laughs> who should be the next emperor. Okay. Uh, they all regroup. They get on a spaceship. They get they blast off. They crash on a star destroyer. They get split up, and our main imperial sort of uh, person we've been following, our anti-hero. She escapes to go report to her secret commander that nobody, no one knew was actually pulling strings the whole time. Of course, yeah. And the this team of people, this of this bounty hunter and imperial officer and former rebel, rebel pilot and boy mechanic, just boy, kid just and a Mr. boy, and, and, super and, boy. And, and Mr. Bones. And Mr. Bones. Uh, they're going to all team up and they yeah, they are now going to be a team that is going to hunt down other imperial targets uh and there are going to be two more of these novels. Oh. In this series. Oh, okay, cuz I was going to ask know. like I didn't know picking up this you book. Mo- like okay, you move beyond the 400 pages of just like strange made up names. Like if I am like a movie viewer and I'm coming to this like I'm super psyched for episode seven and I just wa- rewatched all the movies again and I'm like hoping for something to fill the gap. What does this do for me? Like what's the like summarize in as little time as possible, like what the appeal is supposed to be for people who have not read all the EU books before? Because it seems like this new like this reset is an opportunity to win people who are kind of scared away by the by the old canon. Yeah, well, so here's the so thing. So, like, what, what is this doing to grab me? The head fake to all of this is if you're just going to tell this one concentrated story and try and fill in 40 years, that's not going to work. So we're going to do this, mm-hmm. this story that's set one month after the movies, but then we're going to have every couple of chapters, there's an interlude. That is so. There's like chapter one, chapter two, interlude. Chapter three, chapter four, interlude. Um, and the interludes all take place across the galaxy. And this is where we get interesting. There is somebody who's on Tatooine, and he goes to buy something from the Jawas, and the Jawas have pieces of Jabba's sail barge, and also have a set of Mandalorian armor. So did Boba Fett get out of the Sarlacc pit? Ooh, maybe we can tell that in another story later. Or we can totally now uh, tell make a Boba Fett movie and you can't be mad jerks. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. There uh there's a interlude that shows Dengar, who's one of the other bounty hunters that isn't Boba Fett. Uh, in re- is he the one who looks like a lizard bear? No, that's Col- that's Bosk. Your th- uh, Dengar yeah. is the one who looks like he has a head. Excuse me. Jeez, duh, <laughs> Craig. You're just embarrassing uh, yourself. <laughs> uh, Dengar's the one who's, who looks like he has a head wound and has poorly wrapped his head in bandages. Oh, yeah, that guy. Okay. <laughs> so, like, the main characters of this book, whose names I've all forgotten except Mr. Bones, they... Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's accurate. Do they have any idea that these other snippets are happening, or are these interludes really there to, like, 
string you, Joe Star Wars fan, along <laughs> because you shout out for this book that's going to prep you for the movie. Yep. They are not oh, at all. Okay. They don't have anything to do with the smattering of characters that you are supposed to be growing to love. Weird. They are instead for Joe Star Wars <sighs> reader. Um, yeah. There is a interlude that references uh, level 1313 on Coruscant, which was supposed to be a video game that was going to come out just before what Di- a Disney. Deep pro- cut. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a. Uh, interlude chapter that is a tie-in to a cell phone star wars video game that is happening right now no, that happens no. on cloud city oh, no. that i've never played but no. i and i didn't know it was a cutaway to that i didn't know it was referencing that until i read about it and was like oh that okay i guess that's for somebody it was just like a character who had to like match different colored candies together or something and that's like that they're just canonizing the phone game <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> That's the ancient Star Wars game of Kapla, is what that's called. That, okay, you're talking about Kapla, and that is from Star <laughs> Trek, you jerk. <laughs> well, they do reference a, yep. Kazak, which is a game, which is a card a, game another, from the, oh, from God. Knights of the Old Republic that happens thousands of years before this. Interestingly, they don't reference uh, Sabek, which is a card so game much. from this era. <laughs> But whatever. Well, um, so it seems like this book <laughs> has had its detractors, but along the way, Eric, you've been kind of alluding to another yes thing that the book's up to that people have been both upset and excited about. Yes, this is a thing that I think is fantastic, uh, and that the internet has mixed reactions to. Oh, it's the internet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Welcome to the internet. So I mentioned that that. Temen has an aunt who is married to a woman. So we have lesbians in this book. Cool. Great. They're not main characters. They're in one chapter. Uh, They are portrayed as realistic human beings that have a marriage that makes sense and is, is based on love and affection and is a healthy adult relationship. Good. That's a fantastic thing. But they're not main characters. There is also a scene where our our imperial officer Singer, whose name we've all forgotten already, he and Jas, the bounty hunter, are talking, and she says, "When this is all over, we should continue to work together." And he says, "Yeah, that sounds like that sounds like a good idea." And she says says something to imply some sort of a romantic attachment, and he says, "I'm not into this." And he <laughs> and he says and she says, "Into what? Making money? Like be, being a bounty hunter?" And he says, "No." women so we've got a main character a main character in a star wars book that is one of them he's one of the main like five people in this book and he's gay and he's also a former imperial officer now that's interesting on several reasons not the least of which being that the empire has always been inspired in by basically they're they're space nazis right like yeah they, they are they are yeah right yeah. that's the easiest way to make the, the audience new hate the them, new so. movie in particular right. has that huge nazi moment where they're just they're just yes. having oh yeah oh gosh <sighs> yeah well yeah so a little on the nose whatever yeah which with which then gives us this interesting side note here um so in in star wars books in the past imperial officers have always been human white males uh and there, the the rare exceptions to those are really significant. Um, there is Admiral Thrawn, who is a blue alien guy who ends up being a Grand Admiral in the Empire in the old canon. He's basically Sherlock Holmes, like he's a a genius Imperial officer. And the reason they're willing to promote him, even though he's a blue alien, is that he's a genius. Uh, there is a one woman in the old canon named uh, Admiral Dalla, and she was raised to rank of admiral, but it was partially due to some nepotism and partially due to she's brilliant. But there's they're also all white in all the old canon as well. And our main imperial protagonist in this story, the sort of anti-hero, her name is Ray Sloan. She's an admiral. She's black. She's a woman. All those things are fantastic in a nice progressive society, and I'm all for it. But that's usually who's on the side of the rebellion. It's weird to make the Empire suddenly less evil and terrible. 
which is just an interesting storytelling device. Also, her first name's Ray. It seems like a bit of a misstep in my mind to have the the imperial protagonist in this book be named Ray when the female protagonist of your movie that's coming out three months later is also named Ray. Um, misstep or a mysterious coincidence? Yeah, could be. Spelled differently, but clearly pronounced the same. <laughs> um, well, well. that Leland Chi did some retconning work, and that was her her mystery name to protect her while she was on Yavin oh God. <laughs> after Endor. Star Wars, thank you. You guys are killing me right now. So like what I'm <laughs> I guess what I'm taking away from your from your summary of this is that one, it doesn't sound like a super satisfying self contained story unless you're like really interested in hearing that the Empire keeps humming after the Death Star gets blown up. And two it sounds like it's a very little value to anybody who's not already into read, like just digesting every Star Wars thing that there is, regardless of quality. Like yep. I, I'm listening to you talk about this, and I'm like, you know what? I'll just wait for the next <laughs> movie to come out. I'm good. Yep, I think that's accurate. I think that's, <laughs> that's correct. Um, and that's too bad. It is too bad because it could be really cool, and it could be. There's one chapter, one of those interludes is about Han and Chewie, and. Uh, Han and Chewie are talking and they're like tired of working with the Republic and they miss the days of being smugglers. And then somebody calls on the on the radio and says, hey, there's an opportunity for us to take down the Empire on Kashyyyk, the home of the Wookiees. And Han's like, well, it's not my problem. Leia wouldn't like it if I went off the handle and did this. And, the, and then he decides, no, gather all the smugglers and all the bounty hunters and all the everybody you can and we're gonna go take on the empire at Kashyyyk and that sounds like a way better book but that's the end of that chapter and that's the end of that interview yeah because when you pitch something that's like here here this is gonna fill in the years between the movies that you know and love and then this new movie that's also a continuation of the movies that you know and love people are gonna pick that up and be like what's happening to my man Luke Skywalker and instead you get a bunch of weirdos like Mr. Bones (laughs) Yep. And and r- different Ray. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and a bunch of people who you don't like you don't care about. And then yep. like you get snippets. It's like that most recent Game of Thrones book. I think I haven't read it, but I think it's the most recent one that has or maybe it's the fourth one that has like no POV chapters from the characters who everyone wants to hear mm. from. Yeah, that's the fourth book. And it's just a bunch of new people that everyone well, hates. I yeah. think this kind of reveals an issue <laughs> that we've talked about when we talk about some fantasy books before. It's like Depending on the way that the author, or in this case, like the creator of the series, came to the quote unquote like universe, like Lucas did not build a giant logic system and his, like, I'm sure he sketched stuff out because he's George Lucas, but like the heart of the original movies are the band of characters that inhabit it, and like it was very well designed. And had a lot of interesting tidbits, but he didn't write a Sigmarillion first and then, excuse me, bless you, and then, like, make the movies. He, like, had a couple characters that he had a story he wanted to tell, and oh, wait, it turns out that you could tell more stories. Uh, The biggest criticism of the prequels was, like, well, when you zoom out on those couple characters like what is there it's a bunch of bureaucratic stuff that isn't as interesting as like lightsaber fights and kissing um and (laughs) and lo and behold the kissing got less interesting what what is like what happened (laughs) what is as interesting as that though lightsaber fights and kissing is the name of my biography (laughs) so i think think pretty clearly it's the name of my biography (laughs) (laughs) well yeah well just lightsaber fights maybe (laughs) so i think for this kind of reveals, uh, and your Game of Thrones point is interesting also, Andrew, because it's like, if that's not about the main characters that people have grown attached to, like, is there enough meat on those bones to sustain other stories? Um, yeah. So I guess, like, as we kind of are, are winding down, Eric, I just have a question for you. Like, what makes a good Star War? Like, in the other books... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that the ones that work, and I know that many of them, most of them, feature characters from the films. But like, what about those work in ways that maybe this one doesn't, or this one should have, or it alludes to? Some of the best ways, some of the best Star Wars books, they either focus directly on those characters from the movies, or 
They completely don't have mm-hmm. those characters in them at all. Uh, and, okay. uh, there, like, there's a, there's a, there's an example of one called, uh, Death Troopers. It's not great. It's about basically zombie star stormtroopers. <laughs> um, okay. And the book's humming along, and it's okay. Pr- yeah, and it's pretty good, and it's and it's going well. And then uh, a cell block opens on a imperial ship, and guess what? Han and Chewie are inside, and and that's when you throw the book across the room because it's like, <laughs> oh god, like you were doing fine, and then why are they here? They don't need to be here. That doesn't make any sense. You just wanted to like. Put Han Solo next to your character that you like, and that it's, that's no good. So the ones that do focus on Han and Leia and Luke are are the ones that are the most successful. If people do want to read some really good Star Wars books, basically anything that Timothy Zahn wrote or Michael A. Stackpole, uh, they are two excellent authors that have written really great books of their own outside of the Star Wars canon that are really good as well. Um, but then they've they've played really nicely in this in the former expanded universe uh what makes those stories good is that they introduce new characters that are interesting and compelling and have those characters interact directly with the characters that we know and by the end of those books those some of those new characters are people that can be our point of view characters in future books and that's okay Mm, because mm. we're already invested in them Mara Jade Skywalker being a good example there that Mara Jade was introduced and when she was introduced she was this great mysterious character but she was interesting because of her interactions with luke and because of her interactions with han and leia and she becomes a character that a few books later we can have sustain a novel on her own she doesn't need the those other cast members but if the audience doesn't know who she is and care about her in the context of either like you this band of rebels that we care about or the geopolitical rebel empire thing then she's just some some random person that we're not interested in um i think that's really what it comes down to is you've got to you've got to give us a reason to care about these characters either they we care about them because they're forwarding the the whole galactic plot that they're they're integral to the to the how the empire and the rebellion are interacting or they're integral to the progression of our yeah right and, that, and that's what i was going to suggest is like it, just, it seems less risky like it doesn't you don't have to do this but it seems less risky to introduce new characters alongside old characters and then get us invested in those new characters that way and then later on expand upon those new characters and a lot of the the books and like tv shows and stuff that have been the best at that like i think friday night lights is probably the best tv show ever for getting you to love new characters and not even care that the old characters are gone. Mm. <laughs> and they do that by like giving you a bunch of like consistent anchor points and never just like throwing the you wire does in that pretty well too. And, the and wire will just roll swim. out a yeah, new cast yeah, yeah, of people yeah. for a new season. Yeah. Well, cause they totally like, changed focus from year to year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If that's yeah. the hallmark of what you're doing, then that, then that works. But if you're just, if you're saying that this is going to fill in 40 years of history before that new movie comes out right yeah like part of it is about the book that you wrote and then part of it is about the expectations that you cultivate like if to go back to the wire people get mad about season two because it changes perspective so dramatically and it's really not even about the same kind of thing but anymore. If, <laughs> and if and if you're watching yeah. the series for the first time i think you get a little bit of whiplash you're not ready for it and then you dislike season two but like we're rewatching it and if I know it's coming, like I can really revel in those like performances and appreciate like the finer points in a way that maybe I couldn't if I'm like, well, what happened to all those people who I cared about? Well, and you can also <laughs> appreciate the sort of the the cultivation of that, the writing of that, of, of what a big risk and what a challenge it was mm-hmm. as a te- television show to to go there and try doing another season and do it in an interesting way. And since you know how that there's payoff there and you know that the the entire series is actually good then that second season has value to you yeah um but if you're just jumping right in it it might feel strange so maybe who knows So maybe future books redeem this thing yeah uh i mean there'll still be parentheses and commas or (laughs) unfortunate use of colons uh and also this the page that says i hope that's not what happened because dot 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 gross (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is a Facebook post. That's not part. So it's something to put in a novel. Ew, gross. Oh man! If you, the gross. listener, 
have any uh, favorite Star Wars books or least favorite Star Wars books that you wish we'd talked about on air, you can let us know. You can write to us at overduepod at gmail.com or you could tweet them to us or post on our Facebook wall, twitter.com slash overduepod, facebook.com slash overduepod. Andrew, if people wanted to know more what? about the show, where should they go? Uh, they can go to OverduePodcast.com, which is our website where we have um, iTunes, RSS, and Stitcher links if you want to subscribe to the show and get new episodes on Monday where they when they post or like our monthly bonus episode whenever we get to them. Um, we've also got links to Spreaker, our podcast host. We've got Amazon links. You can click on and buy the books that we're reading and support us. Um, we've got our Patreon page, which is also at patreon.com slash overduepod. It's a way that you can support the show financially, and it's the, the whole reason that we do bonus episodes in the first place. So thank you to everybody who continues to support us uh, using Patreon. Is there anything else? Uh, <laughs> we've got uh, HeadGum, our podcast network, which we're happy to be a part of. Uh, we've got that link up there on the site, too. I think that's pretty much everything, right? Yeah. You mentioned your TV show. People should go listen to that. Yeah, Appointment Television. That's at atvpodcast.com. Eric, thanks for coming on, man. No problem. Happy to do it. Yeah. Do you have like any t- Twitters or websites or anything people should go to if, if they want to find out more about you? Sure, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I, this is a very silly thing, but on Instagram, you can follow me at uh, I'm Lego Eric on Instagram. I have a little Lego figure of me that documents my time in graduate school, All right. which is real dorky, but real fun. Um, it seems like a really good coping mechanism for graduate school, actually. It's pretty good. It's a really, it's a good like, oh, this class is hard, but if I take a picture of this little plastic version of me having fun and he's always smiling, then, <laughs> <laughs> then it's going to be okay. <laughs> um, uh, That's cool. I'm in graduate school to learn my, uh, to earn my mfa in uh, theatrical lighting design and so evt lights that's eric van tassel lights evt lights.com is a, a website where you can see lighting that i've done so that's a thing cool cool i think that's it andrew <laughs> all right uh thanks again we'll be back sometime with some book <laughs> we're recording this in the middle of february and i just have no idea even so <laughs> Everyone, we will see you when we see you. Thank you so much for listening. And until then, try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.